Welcome to Lit, a podcast dedicated to life, liturgy, and the pursuit of holiness. I'm Bryn. And I'm Justin, and we're coming to you from beautiful Austin, Texas. Where each week we're talking about liturgy in everything from daily living to following Christ. Welcome back to Lit as we discuss and continue our discussion under the banner of Pray Every Day. Pray Every Day. Pray Every Day. Uh, and our talk of the daily office, as we said last week, we're going to dive into uh, each aspect over the next several weeks of the daily office, starting with morning prayer today. And I must admit, Bryn, my uh, experience of morning prayer growing up was probably different than a lot of folks who grew up in an Episcopal church as an acolyte. And, um, and that means I was somebody who served around with the clergy as a youth in the church. That's what an acolyte is, serve on the altar, help in different capacities. And my church, uh, a couple of the services had morning prayer three Sundays a week in communion or Holy Eucharist the fourth Sunday. And then, of course, our principal service was always the Holy Eucharist. So being an acolyte exposed me to not just the Holy Eucharist, right one, right two, but also to morning prayer. And I remember thinking when I was sitting there acolyting, is this ever going to end? <laughs> morning prayer is so long why are we? And it was just Pew Olympics. Kneel, stand, kneel, kneel, sit, stand, kneel, kneel some more, kneel some more, stand. Now kneel again. And you just went through all these emotions. Uh, and I just didn't have an appreciation for it. And I think I was so worried about it being over that I never really paid attention as a teenager to the words and the prayers themselves. And then if you fast forward for me, seminary, of course, as we talked about last week, we were both required to show up and do the daily offices. I, um, I started to appreciate morning prayer, but I think I was more of a priest to be, well, priest in training, clergy in training. Uh-huh. So I feel like I had to like morning prayer, but I still struggled with it because there's a lot of parts to morning prayer. And it wasn't until I kind of settled in and really listened to the prayers that it started to make sense to me and how it pushed me and moved, and moved me. Um, but it took, like going to the gym, it took discipline. I had to commit to doing it. Uh-huh. It wasn't just going to happen because I wanted it to happen. I had to commit. And there were some days that I really loved doing morning prayer and reciting morning prayer. And there were days that it was a chore. But working through that and developing that habit uh, was very helpful for me. And now when I take these kind of um, hiatus away from it, like we, I think I mentioned this last week, I'm in one of those now. It's not because I don't like morning prayer. It's sometimes I go away from a pattern to create some other patterns and expose myself to different things. So when I come back, I'll even have a deeper connection and appreciation for the words in morning prayer uh-huh. to kind of moves me beyond myself each and every day. No matter which way I wake up in the morning, morning prayer sets me in motion in a different way. Uh-huh. Um, and, I, and that's what I love personally about morning prayer is it moves me. And I've seen, I've seen that happen in a corporate setting, obviously in my home church and then in an individual setting in my own life. Yeah, I think it's so interesting that depending on what kind of church you go to, you have a completely different exposure to morning prayer. Because you talked about having morning prayer um, growing up. I never saw that part of the prayer book ever when I was growing up. Um, My Episcopal church was a a Eucharistic church. Um, Like every service had Holy Eucharist. And so those were the services that we did. Um, Even if we had a weekday service for something, um, I think we occasionally did Compline like after a Wednesday night Lenten study or something like that. But we really didn't have a morning prayer practice of saying the daily office at at my home church. And so I also wasn't exposed to it 
um, until I got to seminary. And then, you know, I went because I had to. And then it wasn't until just, a, you know, really just a few years ago that that I decided to make it my own discipline. Um, and then it was like the most wonderful thing that was such a treasure to me that had been there all along. And I had a completely different relationship with it. Um, even though some days it was, you know, felt like a chore still to wake up and, and say prayers first thing. Um, it, it, I sort of grew into it over time. And now I'm a big proponent of saying the daily office, but in particular of starting your day with morning prayer. And I think we're going to get into some of the reasons that, um, that it's such a, um, like a foundational liturgy for Christians and that it really has a lot to offer to us in our discipleship, that it's not just some kind of, um, you know, formula that we recite in order to appease our God um, or to have checked the right box at the beginning of the day, um, but that it really offers something for our discipleship. Very much so. And I think a good place to start that discussion is right at the very beginning on page 79, um, the confession of sin. Right off the get-go, uh, we have this, this opportunity to kind of assess where we are in our relationship to God and our relationship to maybe what God calls us to do. Mm-hmm. And I've always been fascinated, you know, a lot of people, uh, and I think this is probably true for you, have always asked whether, you know, why do we have to have the confession as if it's a negative? Why do we start with this negative thing first? Um, and I'm sure you've been asked that question before. Yeah. And, and I'm always thinking to myself in our modern concept, in our modern context, that it's sad that we see our sins as negatives. Uh, and we see a lot of things as negative and we want to avoid it. Where if we go rewind, and I know you and I have alluded to and talked about the early church in different aspects of this podcast, and I want to go back there again. Out in the desert, when they were working on themselves, and we call this asceticism, this intentional formation, the demons... Um, or the sins, we would probably think of, if you read the text, you would think of them as sins, these these choices we have to make. We have freedom to make choices. Do we live for God or do we not do what God asks us to do in whatever capacity that looks like? But they would see those demons, those, those times where they had been tempted to move away from God or did succeed in moving away from God as opportunities for growth, not as negatives. They would learn a lot about themselves by stopping and acknowledging where they were in their relationship with God and where they'd fallen short, if you will. And there's power in that. So it's, it's great. To me, it's powerful that morning prayer starts with confession to sit there and orient ourselves before we begin this wonderful prayerful journey uh, that can start our day. Uh, but we first stop and assess where are we in our relationship with God and maybe with what God calls us to do. And, not, and I would encourage us not to the best of our ability to see that as a negative of course, we're going to make mistakes. If we were going to make mistakes, Jesus would never have to walk the earth. We'd all just be, we'd all be like little Jesus is running around here. Perfect. But we're not, uh, we do, we do mess up uh, and we do make choices where we know that's not what God invites us to do. And that's okay. As long as we're willing to acknowledge it and try to amend it. And that's where we start. Not exactly where we start, but very quickly in morning prayer. Mm-hmm. And with that, that action. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, and if we if we enter into this posture of repentance um, in order to see how much we have to gain from God being in our life, then it doesn't have to be a negative. Yeah, we can see where we have um, fallen short of the glory of God um, through our choices and actions, but we also then in those times see that God is waiting to reach out to us and that we don't have to stay there. Um, but, you know, when we've talked about this before, um, we talked about the fact that that when we see something as a negative, then we want to just, you know, look away or ignore it or disavow it. And so in, in doing that, we miss the whole opportunity for transformation that's available. And it's this transformation that we're pointing to that's available to us all the time, but that at the very beginning of this service as this, you know, um, foundational um, liturgy for our lives as disciples, um, that we are invited into transformation. I just think that's amazing. It is. And it kind of reminds us that we're resurrection people and resurrection is about transformation. That is a pretty big transformation. Mm -hmm. And if we, if we even go back and think about baptism, when you go through the waters, we say you die to sin and are born anew. Doesn't mean sin disappears, but the sin's power over us. So no yeah. longer should we be afraid and try to hide that. Uh, we bring it to God and we acknowledge it and we work on it. And the beauty in, I think the beauty in the confession that we often forget is we're inviting God to work on it with us. Mm-hmm. It's not a, always a one-way street. Um so I think there's beauty in that. And if I can segue now just a little bit on this baptism train, a little bit later in morning prayer, we recite the Apostles' Creed. And that statement in its own right should hopefully, and, and maybe not for everybody, and that's okay, uh, but we're going to draw attention to this. That is the uh, baptismal covenant, which to me is one of the most important aspects of this Book of Common Prayer and of what we believe as Episcopalians because it consists of question and answer form of the Apostles' Creed that you recite in morning prayer. So hopefully by the time we get to that portion, which is about halfway through morning prayer, you get to the, uh, the recitation of the Apostles' Creed, you're reminded of baptism, you're reminded of your discipleship, you're reminded of, uh-huh. of where God fits in your life, who God is, who God is, God the Creator, Jesus down the line. And then hopefully, even though you don't recite this aspect in morning prayer, but you'll start to remember, oh, wait, there's a little more to this baptismal covenant that this reminds me of, that calls me outside of myself. So now morning prayer, essentially, you start with getting yourself oriented in the confession. You hear some readings, you hear some psalms, and you get to the Apostles' Creed, and you're thrust right into, oh, wait, this isn't just for me. This isn't just the feel-good service of morning prayer. This is the, I'm here with God. And I'm reminding myself and God's reminding me in my prayers of what I'm called to do. And mm-hmm. that's where you get that connection, I think, to the Apostles' Creed. And, and morning prayer makes up a, a bit, uh, if we might call it, a thematic shift at the Apostles' Creed. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we move, we'll start to move into some intentional prayers and such that further illustrate, okay, what do we do with this? What, what's God inviting us to consider as people in our prayer time? Yeah, I think it's important to note, too, that one of the things that we acknowledge and we say this right after we say the confession is when we, you know, 
the words right after we're we're given absolution, right after we're um, given the promise of our forgiveness, which is important. We never say the confession without also saying an absolution, um, being forgiven. We're we're guaranteed that in Christ we are forgiven for those sins that we confess. Um, but then right after that, we say, Lord, open our lips uh, and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. And we acknowledge that we don't have to do this all alone, that, you know, we when we confess our sins, we do that with God by our side. And when we, you know, endeavor to do this praying, when we, you know, try to um, put ourselves into this into this um, posture that we have God with us to help us, that God even will be the one who will open our mouth so that we can continue to praise God. That's important. And I kind of jumped us ahead because I got in my discipleship zeal, but we have to pause there. So let's just make, let me just clean myself up here and make some connections. Confession, God's with us. We're getting ourselves oriented right after that, right after the absolution, we make this wonderful statement that we're opening our lips with God's mm-hmm. help and we're proclaiming God. And then, then I can springboard to what I just talked about. We get to that apostles creed and that reminder of our baptismal covenant of the call on our life. And there's kind of this pivot in morning prayer out, but glad you brought it up. We have to remember from the very beginning of morning prayer, God is with us. And that, that's important. That's an important aspect of morning prayer that we are, Grounded in God and God's right there with us as we walk mm-hmm. through this. And then I think to that, to that, to that benefit, when you get to the Apostles' Creed and, and the subsequent prayers after, we're reminded, okay, we're, God's with us. And then God kind of expects us to do some things. We're going to pray for some people, maybe people we don't always like, right? Mm-hmm. It's part of our baptismal covenant. Respect the dignity of every human being. Seek and serve Christ in all persons, not just in the persons we like. Yeah. So when you get into the prayers that will follow the Apostles' Creed, we call them the suffrages or which we'll just for Bryn's probably not going to like this description, but let's just <laughs> suffrages is a fancy way of saying a short version of the prayers of the people. So we uh-huh. the world, fair. work in the world, different folks. And then we get to the colics. But what I really want us instead of focusing on those specifics, that overall arc is the real shift from, okay, I'm getting myself right with God. I'm adoring God. I'm praising God, which is a good chunk of morning prayer. God's with me. We're, we're celebrating this wonderful relationship we have together. And now I've got to take that and I've got some work to do out into the world. And the prayers move us that direction, mm-hmm. uh, move us beyond ourselves as we kind of power through morning prayer. And I one think that's the, part of the gift of it. One of the things I think is a real gift of morning prayer is just the experience of doing it. You know, I think all liturgy is an experience. It's not just something that we do. It's something that we experience. Liturgy is meant to be experienced. And I think about, you know, my own pattern of, of using this practice of prayer and even just how, how I have my own kind of um, organic shift that happens, you know, like I get up, Early in the morning, I make a cup of coffee. I I grab my coffee and I start saying my prayer. And it's like there's a slow awakening that gets to happen during morning prayer. You know, like I'm not really awake when I first start praying. Um, but as I 
you know, as I do this work of like confessing my sins, of reading Holy Scripture, I start sort of opening my eyes, not just, you know, in this figurative spiritual way, but like literally, like I'm starting to open my eyes, I'm starting to perk up, I'm starting to have this experience of like coming into my day, thinking about what it is that that God is calling me to do. Um, and and looking already at the very beginning of my day, looking for where God is going to be speaking to me um, across that day. And that's important. I want to I want to touch on something that I want us to keep in the back of our minds, and I hope we'll revisit in what you said that I think is so important, and I so agree with. That liturgy is not meant to be an analytical pursuit. It isn't meant to be experienced physically experienced as you described so eloquently literally opening your eyes feeling the ebbs and flows of your body even in liturgy in the morning prayer in the holy eucharist um feeling that uh, and being aware of that i think that's part of the gift of of prayer as you you become start to you start to connect with yourself i mean i don't know Mm -hmm. what else else to describe it because i know exactly what you're talking about anytime i've done morning prayer I have the same experience if I do it, if I do it early in the morning, I'm sitting there with a hot tea and I'm trying to wake up and I'm sitting there and you know, and I've literally, it's the prayers themselves and the action of praying. I can just feel myself coming alive physically, literally waking up and then spiritually really waking up. Yeah. Uh, And that's, and that's a power. I think that is a powerful experience that we don't always stop and recognize um, as we should. It's not about running through it. And I want to just dwell on that for for another minute to say that you know we we acknowledge as as people that we need um, that we need to be pushed outside of ourselves that we need to you know wake up and pay attention um, or um, you know sort of be alert to the things around us um, but we so often miss that we also need to wake up our spirits that, you know, and, you know, I could probably speculate reasons why we don't think about that. Maybe there's weird associations with spiritual awakening, or maybe they're, you know, it sounds hokey, or it sounds like some kind of touchy feely thing. But I think we really do have to awaken our spirits. um, That, that our natural state is to be um, to have our spirits be alert, but we live in a world that just presses down on that in a lot of ways, which has always been the case. I mean, that's always been the world that followers of God have found themselves in. Yeah, I think spirit is too is too nebulous for a lot of folks. Like, well, what's really a spirit? Yeah, what's that? What's that really? And 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 I and I, you know, we can give some uh, theological answers to that question, but none of them will explain the experiential aspect that prayer brings to bear on the spirit. Mm-hmm. However you view that or well, however I you think, define it, I should say that if there we is. Even, if we even go to like using more, I don't know, different language. I think there's, there's this element that just clicks that just, maybe it's hard to describe, but you, you know it when you see it or you know it when you feel it. And it's just a feeding your soul, you know, that like, this is, this is 
an experience that we voluntarily put ourselves into because we know that it will feed our souls. Um, and, you know, so, you know, feed your soul a breakfast of, of morning prayer. That seems like a good practice. And that's probably a great way to say this, um, that we end with Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving mm-hmm. for that prayer breakfast we had for our soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but even in that Thanksgiving, we're not only reminded that our soul may be filled and we're giving, again, giving thanks for God and the gifts God gives us, but there's still that tie and that movement back out into the world because as the morning prayer ends, the day does not. This mm-hmm. is not, we don't wake up, do morning prayer, and then go back to sleep or go back to whatever as if nothing ever happened. Yeah. Morning prayer gets us going and it sets the tone and focus for the day. And hopefully, whatever was on the agenda before we started morning prayer, I'm hoping, this isn't always the case, don't feel bad if it doesn't happen that way, but the hope is that in time and as you practice this discipline that you'll enter your day differently, that those agenda items may look differently, the way you approach the next meeting, the way you approach talking to your kids, the way you uh, approach your work, whatever it is you're going to do, it may look differently because of the work of morning prayer and what it's done for you physically and spiritually it's going to align you. It's going to make uh-huh. you see things a little differently. And, and the end of morning prayers is beautiful Thanksgiving where we give thanks for that very reality. Yeah. Uh, that gift of God helping open our lips, God being with us when we confess our sins, God walking with us and reminding us we're called out to the world, calling us atten- calling our attention and prayers to the needs of others. So when we leave morning prayer, we're, we're very, I think we're very, at least for me, I'm very grounded in God's love for me. And the love God hopes that I will show the world through my actions and my words and my deeds. So I try to enter my day differently coming from that place of prayer. Just like, and I'll compare it to this, just like when I go work out, I come out and I'm, I'm feeling in shape. So I utilize that strength that I've gained to do some productive things with my life. Uh-huh. It's very similar. And the only problem of working out for me is it only works on my physical, not my spiritual. Um, so morning prayer is the component that I have to, to find balance. I have to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and probably a, um, you know, a, a good note for us to, to end on and to, um, to go out on is this, you know, how we end, uh, the, our morning prayer. Um, there's two different closing prayers that, that we can use. Um, we, but my personal favorite one is the prayer of St. Chrysostom, um, which is translated from, was translated from Latin in, um, the liturgy of St. Chrysostom. I don't know about the time that that was originally composed. Um, but in that prayer, we say, we acknowledge that when two or three are gathered together in Christ's name. God will be in the midst of us. And I, I think one of the things that's worth mentioning is, and, and this is, I think, an argument for saying some, some version of morning prayer is that we, even if we are sitting alone in our, you know, in our office or sitting alone in our living room, we aren't alone we are saying the very words and probably at the very same time that some other 
person looking for a relationship, looking for connection with God is saying those exact same words um, that, you know, when we, when we talk about those two or three who are gathered together in Christ's name and we look around and all we see is the cat and the dog, which is what's typical for me in the morning, um, then actually we think about the people that we are praying with and that we're praying on behalf of um, when, we, when we say these prayers. And for me, that just is uh, a really important reminder that like, we live in a world that is both seen and unseen. And our, our spiritual practices help us to acknowledge both what is seen and unseen. Let's end it right there. That's beautiful <laughs> and perfect. It's a perfect way to tie it all together. And so on that note, uh, next week we're going to pick up with evening prayer. And in the subsequent weeks, we're going to pick up the other aspects that make up the overarching daily office in the Book of Common Prayer. So hopefully next week as we do evening prayer, you'll start to draw some similarities uh, from morning prayer to evening prayer. As, you know, one today, we talked about how we begin our day, and then we'll talk about one of the ways we end our day mm-hmm. um, and what that looks like. Uh, so I hope you'll join us next week as we dive into uh, evening prayer and continue our journey into the daily office under the banner of, and I love saying this, pray every day. <laughs> So go feed your souls, try out morning prayer, give yourself a break, relax, work through it. Email us, call us, talk to us. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. We'll see you next or hear. Well, you'll hear us next week and we'll see you whenever you let us know what's going on. So you'll hear us next week until next time.